You're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host, Gemma, and today, very special guest, returning to our podcast for the second time, actually, is the Mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham. Hello to you. Hi, Gemma. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming back on the uh, on the TFM pod. You're uh, a very active member of the the TFM board, out and about representing uh, Greater Manchester in ev- in every way possible. So it's fantastic that you've had the time to uh, come back and talk to us today as part of our Business Matters series, talking all things business. Um, for those who maybe aren't very familiar with you, just give us a very brief introduction to uh, to yourself, Andy, and and, and your work as as part of TFM. Oh, my goodness. A bit of a a journey, really, through politics. 16 years as MP for Lee. A couple of jobs in Gordon Brown's cabinet. Uh, Shadow front bench in opposition. So clearly never done a real job. Uh, Mm. And uh, now here I am as mayor of Greater Manchester, the best city region in the UK, without a doubt. We're definitely going places and uh, beginning to uh, level things up anyway, for ourselves, because uh, the city really is on, on the up at the moment. It's great, great to be involved in it. But transport is an ongoing uh, preoccupation for us. And um, yeah, we are working with the business community in Manchester to to make our transport system world class, like other aspects of the city are already world class. And we'll, we'll weave those those transport aspects and the importance of connectivity through as, as we go along our chat today. Um, we are talking kind of with a business focus, Manchester, a very industrious city, um, very different today from, from what it is, you know, decades and, and centuries ago. Give us a little bit of a flavour of the types of industries that have kind of made Manchester what it is today and, and, and where it's going from here. Well, of course, if people look back to the old days, Gemma, it was Cottonopolis, wasn't it? It was the uh, the world's capital of, of cotton weaving um and that was obviously when greater manchester was at the heart of the first industrial revolution uh if you um kind of go forward into the 20th century uh obviously some of that traditional industry went into decline and so did some of our proud towns and so you know we've kind of come through all of that and i think what you do see now uh, if you come to manchester and you look at the skyline of the city that tells the story of a city on the up and a new economy uh, beginning to emerge from what were some difficult days in the second half of the 20th century. I am proud to say, as Mayor of Greater Manchester, that we are Europe's fastest growing digital and tech hub, which is a big statement, but a true statement. We have ambitions, not just to be the UK's leading digital city region, but the UK's leading green city region as well. People will be familiar with all of the uh, great work that's come out of the University of Manchester around materials, advanced manufacturing, graphene and everything that's um, involved in that. So there is a modern success story um, building uh, from uh, today's Manchester. And from an economy point of view, we feel now that the area we're in now, where you know, in the last 20 years, we've seen the city become reborn in many ways and you know become stronger that period when we hosted the commonwealth games and obviously then brought in media city we're now at a point where i think the strength of our city can start to lift some of those proud towns around it 
and you're beginning to see that change happening with Stockport. It is critically linked to transport connectivity, I might say. You know, the kind of appeal of Stockport is because of that kind of quick connection to Manchester. So you know, what we're beginning to see is people who want to live close to Manchester starting to look at some of our surrounding towns. So the next chapter in Manchester's uh, history is, is going to be an exciting one, I think. Uh, we're levelling up ourselves and, you know, we're starting to bring in investment, not just to the city centre, but to the, the surrounding areas as well. So it's a watch this space. We're, we're definitely on the way up. Literally on the way up. Anybody who's uh, going on the train to, to Manchester, you know, the, the, the buildings uh, really are popping up and it's fantastic to see such um, continued investment and, and growth and support. And I'm glad you referenced uh, Stockport. I lived there myself for a, a couple of years and, and, and absolutely, you know, the benefit of having those areas so close to a thriving city like Manchester, uh, you know, really fantastic for, for everybody. To expand on that thought, in terms of the kind of benefits for setting up shop within Greater Manchester, previous guests on our um, podcast series so far are telling us about, you know, fantastic quality of life and leisure opportunities and access to, you know, rural destinations and things like that. Tell us a bit about what Greater Manchester offers for the, for the businesses itself and, 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 and the people who come to, to come to work there. So there's a huge amount that we've got to offer, and it is some of those things that you just mentioned. You can have London-style living in many respects with regard to the, the, the nightlife, the bars, the restaurants. Uh, certainly from a sport and music point of view, I think our offer is second to none. Um, but it's more than that, isn't it? I always say uh, any place is first and foremost about the people, and I think there is a, a kind of warmth to the place um, that makes it a welcoming place. Um, and that that's appealing. But from a business point of view, um, specifically, because we are the largest student population in the country, I think that does give businesses an access to talent that other places can't can't really match. And when you combine that student population with our own, if you like, population, the, the young people growing up in Greater Manchester, I think what you've got there is a, a diverse talent base that other places, um, well, they, they can't match. So some of the reasons why businesses coming to Manchester is, are they're saying, well, you know, if we're to succeed as a business in the modern world, you need to have a workforce drawn from all walks of life, all races, all religions. You know, you, you, you need to be able to access talent from, from all sides so that you can then be in touch with all of your customers and be in touch with the modern world. And sometimes businesses will say, well, we can't get that in the more rural parts of the south or uh, in some other cities. And, and hence, Manchester has that that great, uh, great appeal. It's a modern, diverse, cosmopolitan city um, mm -hmm. that is, I, I say, you know, pretty much up there in every respect. We were we were named the third best city in the world last year by Time Out, which was something of an accolade, I have to say. Um, however, and here's you know, relevant to transport for the north you know we, we can't say that about our transport and if we're honest uh, about an area where we need to improve I would be honest and say it's got to be transport and what needs to happen in terms of transport connectivity in order to support businesses and to to, to keep Greater Manchester such a, a thriving place I think it's the integration of the system you know if you look at comparable cities around the world you would see a very different uh, transport offer where there is uh, an easy, convenient, much more affordable uh, public transport system, tap in, tap out, all modes, 
And the way transport has developed in our country hasn't allowed that. It's left us with a, I would say, quite overpriced, fragmented, unreliable uh, transport uh, system. And consequently, that leaves more cars on the road. If a single bus fare costs £4 or more, as it can do in Greater Manchester, and you've got two or three people travelling around, clearly the economics of that mean that it is often better to get a taxi than it is to get uh, get a bus. And if that's the reality, you've got a problem. You've got a problem with congestion because you know, you're not incentivising public transport in the way that you, you should. So I think it's, it's a, a patchy public transport offer that then leads to higher levels of road congestion because more people are taking taxis and cars and then the place just doesn't move in the way that it should. And I think if I'm being honest, that's one of our biggest challenges today. And that's actually what I'm very focused on fixing. And of course, the, a part of that as well is that, that that challenge in terms of public transport accessibility feeds into the, the kind of social challenges, you know, when we think about kind of, you know, left behind or deprived neighbourhoods and actually the opportunities for them if there's a, a more efficient, more integrated, more cost effective public transport solution, then, you know, more people have more opportunities. You've had some great news in uh, in Greater Manchester this week on your uh, on your buses. So I wonder if you want to tell us a little bit more about um, how that's going to, to develop from here on in and what that's going to mean for people and businesses. Yeah, just on your first point, the cost of public transport does limit people's ability to access opportunity. And I don't think we've been as focused on this as a country as we should have been. You know, if you, you're a young person living in city centre Manchester or close to it, and you get a job interview at London at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, and you have to buy a ticket within a couple of days, it's not necessarily going to be an opportunity that you can take up. But it's actually even more localised than that. If you're living in one of our outlying boroughs and you, you've got the possibility of applying for a job, let's say at Media City or at the airport, some young people will hesitate because they'll know it could cost them a lot and they wouldn't be able to to make it make it work. So, you know, I think an affordable public transport system and, and a, a reliable public transport system is the, the foundation for a more productive economy that promotes social mobility. It's that important. And I think over the decades, we've lost sight of that in this country or certainly lost sight of it outside of London. The truth of the matter is some of the poorest parts of England have the most expensive public transport in the country. And it's not a surprise, therefore, is it, that some of the people who live in those places uh, struggle to access opportunity. Mm -hmm. Transport for the North is, is working on some um, some research into sort of transport-related social exclusion and, you know, looking at that, that, that regional picture and, as you say, that how, you know, reliability, cost and all, all these things that, that we can get sorted with public transport can really support people. In terms of that regional approach, you've sat on the, the TFM board for, um, I don't know how quite how long it is now, you've, you've been part of, the, of, of our work, but the One North, the One Voice approach for the region um, is something that, you know, we talk about a lot. Why is it so important to have that joined up working across all areas of the North? Because the North's voice has traditionally, if you go back through the decades and even the centuries has not been heard as loud as the the voice of let's be honest london and the southeast so it is important that in this period we do speak with one voice point out some of the disparity that we have as a country in terms of transport 
infrastructure and and commit to work together to um, to rebalance things and and also to bring a consistency to northern transport uh, where where we can. So I, I consider transport for the north to be a very important organisation. You know, I, I wished it had existed when I wish we had created it when I was in government, and uh, I, I wish we could have worked more with it at that time. I think sometimes the way Westminster works, and I know speaking to somebody who was there a long time. The party whip system makes people organise along party lines, but never on regional lines. And I think it's much better sometimes to see on issues where there's common cause, you know, a more regional cross-party approach to things. And obviously Transport for the North facilitates that. And actually the voice is louder when it's a cross-party voice. It gets heard more, certainly by business, and gets respected more, again, by, by business. So TFN obviously promotes all of that, and it's, it's, it's really important. And, and actually, it is uh, an entity that can help us uh, share uh, the change that we need, build best, best practice. So you mentioned before the good news we'd had on buses. We have successfully defended the decision I took to put buses under public control. That is the way in which we can reduce fares, because obviously when you control where buses go, what type of buses are on the roads and what they charge, you can, I think, then integrate the, the, the bus system with the rest of, of public transport. We're on a path to do that. I brought in London style expertise here. So uh, a former managing director of transport for London, Vernon Everett, is coming in as our new transport commissioner. What I'm hoping to do is build a capability in Greater Manchester to, to tr make the transition for us from what we've got today, the fragmented world we've got to a London style public transport system. But then we'll be more than happy to support Liverpool, Leeds, Sheffield, Newcastle as they come after us and seek to integrate public transport in the same way. And Transport for the North can, can help facilitate that. And that's really crucial, isn't it? Part of this bringing everybody together as a, as a regional organisation, um, sharing best practice, sharing experiences and, and examples and, and learning from each other. I wonder if you could um, tell us a little bit about what, what Greater Manchester's businesses are kind of saying right now about transport connectivity. What are they telling you that, that, that they need? I think everyone gets frustrated about um, the congestion and the, and the time it can take to, to get around at Greater Manchester. Um, you know, it, it, it chips away at everyone's quality of life and it does impact on the productivity of, of businesses. And it's not just getting around our city region. If you were to, to go to Leeds, for a lot of people, the only option really is the M62. And we know that can take a lot, a lot of time. You know, the connectivity isn't there, both within our city regions and across the north. And it's why Northern Powerhouse Rail is still such an important priority for us and why the TFN voice continuing to champion that concept, I think is so, so important because Businesses know, you know, they they lose out on investment. They they they, they lose time uh, through the cost, uh, the, the the time requirement for for travel, uh, and all of this is holding back a more productive north of England. And um, you know, we we need to stick together and continue to make the case uh, for for transport investment because, as I said before, uh, a better public transport system will support a more productive economy in the north and it will actually draw out the talents of all of the people of the north if everyone can access jobs and opportunity. Yeah absolutely and um, finally Andy I wonder if you could touch on we've had um, a busy sort of 
12 or 18 months really in terms of national policy with bus back better, with levelling up, with the Williams Shaps paper, with the integrated rail plan of course, in terms of that national policy and that sort of you know direction from government, um, what, what do you want to see from them? Well it's interesting, I observed uh, transport policy, um, as I have done in terms of you know health policy over the years, I saw health policy change about five to ten years ago, where all the political parties started to move away from a an approach uh, based around um, outsourcing and uh, fragmentation, and start to talk more about the integration of health and social care, and that has become something of a a consensus um, between the main political parties. I feel transport policy has moved a bit in that direction as well, where everyone is recognising that what London has is basically what everywhere needs, uh, and that's reflected in the levelling up white paper. And um, implicit in that statement is, of course, more public control of public transport. And we've seen, uh, obviously, that uh, power to re-regulate buses be given to mayors like myself. Uh, but also we've seen changes on the railways. Transport for the North called for the the ending of the um, uh, of the Northern franchise as was, uh, and that I think was personally a, a feather in TFN's cap because we did speak with one voice on that. And the railway has come back together again, and the GBR reform I think um, promises to create a more integrated railway. But it's about integrating the rail system and then rail with other with other public services. And you know I think we're kind of talking the same language now, rather than a, you know being on a different wavelength. Uh, from 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 the government, but what what I'm yet to see is the real resource come in uh, to support the fine ambitions that we've heard about. You know, the bus back better strategy. Yes, we could sign up to it, but the funding is being slashed through the BSIP process, and that creates a problem uh, for us. The IRP. You know, we were promised a new line between Manchester and Leeds, and then it gets cut back. So, I think the problem the government have got is. You know, leveling up is a bigger and more substantial exercise than than perhaps they had uh, realised. If you're going to level up the north of England with London and the south east, it will require significant investment for the long term. The north will have to be at the front of the queue for investment for uh, the foreseeable future. And I don't yet see that they've actually put put real meaning behind that yet. So I think there are some signs of progress, and I'm not coming on here to you know to just find fault uh, with what the government has done. I think transport policy has moved forward in uh, recent years. Um, but what I haven't seen yet is the kind of full uh, investment necessary uh, to, to match the, the ambitions that, that actually and the expectations which the government themselves built up uh, a few years ago when George Osborne first spoke of the Northern Powerhouse. So that's where we find ourselves, I think, today. And what I find uh, so heartening is it's not just a cross-party um, consensus that we've got now at TFM. The business voice is there as well with us, isn't it? Completely aligned with us, both the TFN meetings and at the Convention of the North. And we're all singing from the same sheet. We're all saying the same thing. And, you know, if we just keep at it, don't lose heart, eventually our voice will be heard. I think that's a brilliant note to end on. Uh, thank you so much. We absolutely will all keep um, shouting loud and proud uh, for the north of England. Um, Mayor Andy Burnham, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Gemma. 
And thank you, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you take a look at our previous episodes all on the website, transportforthenorth.com, under the podcast page. And keep up with us on Twitter as well, where we share all the day's news every single time it happens. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.